Welcome to Maker Mom, a podcast where I explore the stories of Maker Moms and the life they lead. Each week, I will bring you the behind-the-scenes story of a new Maker Mom. I'm Katie Freeman, a furniture designer and content creator running freemanfurnishings.com and your host of the Maker Mom podcast. You can find Maker Moms hanging out in the Facebook community at Maker Moms and on the web at MakerMomPodcast.com. If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Maker Mom podcast. This week's guest is Tammy of Girly Shop Teacher. You may have seen her most recently as one of the shop teachers featured on the new Disney Plus uh, show called Shop Class. She is on episode three of that. Before we get into the interview, which is a super fun interview, by the way, with Tammy, I just wanted to give a big shout out and thank you to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Amy of Bison Valley Carving, Brandy, Studio Bay, Kathy, One Girl and Her Tools, Dan and Kelly of Reclaim Living Store, Ellen of Little Bear Furniture, Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs, and Mary Lou, Made by Mary Lou. Thank you all so very much for being patrons over on Patreon and for supporting the podcast. If you would like to become one of those who gets a shout out at the start of every episode of the podcast, you can head on over to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Maker Mom Podcast and find out how you can become part of the tribe. All right, so with no further ado, here is Tammy with Girly Shop Teacher. Uh, be prepared to laugh. This episode is just absolutely chock full of laughter and such a wonderful and amazing journey that Tammy has been on already and so much more to look forward to coming from her. So with no further ado, here is Tammy. Well, Let's start again. Can we start sure. start from the top, a little introduction about yourself? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my name is Tammy Gamble. Um, I am the mother of three beautiful sons. Uh, my oldest is 21. My middle is 19 and my youngest is 15. So I've got two that are in college and one left at home that I'm like, ready for you. <laughs> and I, I guess I would be considered a master maker um, because I took making, which I didn't even know there was a term for it until about a mom a year ago, but I took my making into the next arena, going and getting uh, nationally certified to be a building trades instructor. So I took it like to a whole nother level and I'm actually able to train and get kids certified in building trades. Well, kids and adults, but yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to circle back around to that for sure. Okay, certainly. But I want to uh, take a step back a little bit and go to your childhood. What was your childhood like? Which grew up? What kind of things were you interested in? Oh, man. So as a child, um, I've always been into um, paper dolls with my grandma sewing with my grandma's cooking with my grandma's my mom doesn't cook she doesn't sew very well uh, <laughs> um but you know i learned to make bread learned to plant a garden um 
let's see, I learned, and, and then my, my mom, my biological dad passed away, which really kind of catapulted my making because my mom remarried and my, my new daddy made everything. Okay. I mean, I still don't think there's anything he couldn't make. He could make Coca-Cola if you ask him because he makes everything. And he actually built his own house um, uh, in Ohio, but we lived in Detroit at the time. So um, after my parents got married, we moved from a really small duplex into a much larger house that was really gross and nasty. Um, the people who lived there before were my cousins. <laughs> and, um, and so my cousins uh, had um, painted all the walls black they had put shag carpet in and they were just bachelors in the seventies and they were just rocking it out, having a good time. <laughs> so we had to turn this bachelor pad into a home suitable for children. And we had to get all of the dog poo smell out, you know, the bachelors didn't clean. So we had to get all of the other things out of the house. <laughs> and I decided that I was too cute to live in something so trashy and nasty. So <laughs> I made it my personal mission to get the house fixed up as quickly as possible. And my games were learning how to swing a hammer, use a saw, changing the bits on the drill, um, you know, pouring cement. You know, I learned all of those things before I was, uh, before I was seven or eight years old. And unbeknownst to me, it was something that was embedded and ingrained in me. I hated going to school. Um, I didn't find out till I was in college that I was dyslexic. Um, I graduated from Howard University, <laughs> finding out as a senior in college that I worked through dyslexia. I just thought school was hard. So um, that's, you know, that's kind of the gist of my childhood. I made everything. Um, I had, a, I had a, a wall in my room and my big desire was to have a dollhouse. And it wasn't because I liked the doll so much, but it was because I thought that they needed a cool environment. <laughs> so my parents told me that Barbie dream house was not an option, nor, nor was the cool yellow Ken car. I couldn't have it because they weren't going to afford it. It's that we can't afford it. It's, not, it's that we're not going to afford. <laughs> uh, so I, um, when Christmas was over, I would go outside and pick up all the boxes from my neighbors and I would bring the boxes inside and configure them into what <clears throat> was really a Barbie shanty town. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I colored the walls, I drew little flowers and whatever motifs. And I created this, 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 you know, Barbie shanty town. It was so beautiful. And eventually my, my new daddy um, built me a dollhouse made of quarter inch plywood. Um, I decided that it was a beautiful house, but it was a couple things missing. Um, it didn't have plumbing. So I drilled holes and I ran straws so that <laughs> I could, cause I had a bathtub mm -hmm. and I, they had to bathe every day. So I I had the water draining through straws into a cup outside the house. <laughs> and then <laughs> my cousin took me to a hobby craft store and we bought little teeny tiny lights. They were so cute. They're little white lights. And so I wired the house uh, with these little teeny tiny lights. 
and they had these itty bitty, you know, plugs that, you know, you could plug in. And, um, you know, who knew about a transformer at 10? I didn't. So I just stripped the wire. I cut an extension cord, <laughs> wired it all up. <laughs> Are you going to tell me this ends with a house fire? I'm just asking. <laughs> Small one. I mean, it was, I unplugged it before, I, I stopped it before it got really bad. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it was really pretty for like about four seconds. I was like, (gasps) it was. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say, to this day, I don't mess with electrical too much. (laughs) I do a few things, but not that. You you learned your lesson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I did not go to electrical school. I will not teach electrical. I'm just like mm, that's that's beyond my scope of what I want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of the brief on how I started making things. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, as far as like with the dyslexia, there's actually quite a few makers, you know, tradespeople, woodworkers that I know of that have dyslexia and same thing you know they just thought school was like super hard and that like some some of them even thought like they couldn't learn type thing but I think you know it's just it's unfortunate that you didn't learn that until way later you know until you were almost done with school yeah Yeah. but you know I, I think that, well, the way that I um, have interpreted that, because I learned about that when I was 22 or so. So I was almost done with college. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm 50 now in a couple months. No, actually in like, in like literally days, I'll be 50. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay. But I, um, I feel like it's, it's not a deficit. It's an enhanced level of intelligence mm-hmm. because because of the dyslexia, I'm creative enough to seek out other opportunities to make sure I'm absorbing information. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's, it's definitely enhanced my intelligence just because I don't, because the words dance, mm-hmm. you know, they're far more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just found more creative ways to get around it. And, you know, computers uh, having the ability to speak things make it a whole lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, having a staff of people around me to um, articulate <laughs> what I'm saying makes things a lot easier. I just made the decision to work within my strengths mm-hmm. and, and not work outside of them because for the things that I know and my, my skill set, many people don't have it and they're not seeking the knowledge. So, you know, I'm like the unicorn and, and I love it. Mm-hmm. I'd, ra- I'd rather not read. I'd rather create. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're too cool to read. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I get you. Like, I don't, what is it? well, I should say, as far as I know, I don't have uh-huh. dyslexia, but I have always disliked reading. Like, I just can't, and because I'm so slow at it, like, mm-hmm. so unbelievably slow at it that it's not one of my favorite things to do. 
I much rather like, like teach me hands on and I'm game. Like I got it, you know, show me once and I've got it, but I can't, yeah, can't do it by reading. Yeah. Like if you, if you give me all these directions to read, I'm just looking like at you, like, Mm -hmm. like, um, hmm. yep. Yeah. Uh Like I actually, (laughs) it's so funny. Um, when you're when you're in when you're a teacher for a school system you have to provide accommodations for students and their learning mm-hmm. and make and make adjustments so that the kids can absorb information and so um we would go to professional development training and i told my principal i need accommodations because sitting here i'm feeling twitchy you know <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was the classic distract the, the distract the presenter, you know, to, they're like, well, you need to write lesson plans for what? You know? yeah. <laughs> My principal would say, Miss G. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'd be like, thanks for getting me out of class. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right on. We had this really cool understanding. She was like, she was like, I already know you're not going to do these lesson plans. And I said, I got a student to do them for me. (laughs) (laughs) I got a secretary. That's right. (laughs) But I just, Mm. I just learned to work, to work with it as opposed to against it. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just made it a lot easier. Yeah. (laughs) So what did you, like, what'd you go to college for? What was your major in college? So my major in college was psychology and I minored in education. But when I left home all, on my way to college, I was planning on being a dentist. Um, I'm a certified, <laughs> yeah, I was actually a certified dental assistant coming out of high school because I went to a, a career in tech high school. Okay. And I had, you know, I, um, as a child going to the dentist was one of my most pleasurable experiences because my dentist was uber gooper handsome. He smelled good. He had good, his breath was amazing. And I, I mean, his teeth were pretty and I was like, Ooh, I like dentist office. <laughs> mind you, I was like about seven or eight years old. And this guy was probably 72 or 80, <laughs> but he was so sexy. <laughs> And I wanted to be a dentist because he smelled so good. <laughs> but um, hey, whatever, whatever works. I mean, yeah, I bet yeah. your mom was happy she didn't have to fight you about going to the dentist. <laughs> to I have pearly whites. Mm-hmm. But um, so I wound up. So he sold his practice to another dentist, and that dentist allowed me to um, come in and work with him on the weekends at age fourteen. So I actually started doing um, dental assisting at 14 under his wing, um, you know, cleaning and sterilizing the instruments, you know, um, making appointments, doing uh, x-ray development and things like that. And there was a high school that offered dental assisting. So I went to the high school and wound up going through all the training, worked for for that dentist for the entirety of my high school. And then into college, I still worked for him. And to this day, (laughs) all these years later, if he has someone that's going away on vacation or out sick or whatever, he'll call and he'll say, hey, Sam, can you come fill in? So I still work with my dentist. So I absolutely love it. It's been a lifetime. um, It's been a lifetime, you know, friendship with us. 
-hmm. So that's been really cool. But, you know, um, I was kind of bummed when chemistry was kicking my butt in college and it was thwarting my efforts at becoming a dentist. And uh, one of my cousins who, who's uh, actually a, a magnificent kitchen and bathroom designer up in Detroit, um, you know, he called me because he found out that I was kind of down about, you know, not passing my chem courses. And he said, hey, Tan, he says, you don't have to be a dentist. And I was like, but that's what I said I wanted. And he says, he says, I, he says actually, I went to dental school. I don't know if you know it. He said, and I flunked out. He said, but I get all of the joy from building things that I thought I was going to have inside of someone's mouth working. And I was like, oh, I don't have to be a dentist. Well, it never occurred. It didn't occur to me at that time to be a builder, but I was just like, okay, I don't have to. He said, just create in other ways. And so that's what I continued to do, you know, from that point on. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, okay. So teaching degree. So then in psychology, right? Yeah. Okay. So what was psychology? Your, okay. So what was your plan or I guess, what did you go into right out of, right out of college? Right out. Of, so, so I actually wound up with a psychology degree because it was the only class I was passing. And it was one of my psych teachers that, that was doing a dyslexia study that identified the dyslexia. So coming right out of college, I was, I was kind of brain dead. Um, and I just needed a little time off. And my mom was like, okay, well, you, you can have some time off, but you have to work. So I started substitute teaching. And I was like, I ain't going to do this ever again. <laughs> I subbed for maybe three months until like the end of the school year. And, um, cause I graduated, well, I, I finished my coursework in December. I came home, my mom let me lay down for two months and then I subbed the last three months of the school year. Um, and during the summer I was like, uh, I really kind of needed a job because there's things I want at the store. So there was a guy named Steve Harvey that had a comedy show, comedy club in Dallas. And I went to work at the comedy club and I was like, I'll just be a waitress. I'll serve some drinks, you know, keep up, make a little change. Um, I was, I had, I had a, a little small house and I was doing some rentals on the little small house. Um, my mortgage at that time was $98 a month because <laughs> it was a little small house and I got it on a non-qualifying assumable mortgage. So it was like perfect, but it needed a lot of work. <laughs> um, so I, I worked for Steve Harvey. Um, I was hit, I was ser waiting tables at first and I wound up becoming his personal assistant, you know, and um, moved to California with, with he and his fiance, then fiance. Um, decided I wanted to get married and came back to Texas. And then I worked for um, an agency with children being a group home mom. Because I love kids. And yeah. psychology was my background. So I was a group home mom. I had, I had nine young ladies that worked, that, that lived with me. They're my babies. They're my daughters to this day. I love all my children. Um, and that's kind of where I thought my psychology degree was going to serve me. Yeah. So, so that's how okay. I used the degree after school. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I have to say like, 
again, like a lot of the moms I have on here, you, you all tell me, I'm boring. There's nothing interesting about my life. Like the last two minutes you just <laughs> talked, like there's a whole life experience right there that the majority of people don't get to have. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm boring. I think that I have like, a, I, I mean, like my life now is really settled, but I've had some really cool stuff yeah. that happened along the way. <laughs> yeah. So here's where I'm going to circle back to the whole, the, um, the master maker. When does that yeah. come in? Like, what is that? I've actually never heard of that kind of uh, like terminology or. So um, while working at, while, while being at home after having my own children um, and going through a divorce, I was working doing tech support for American Airlines. And I worked from home, you know, I worked graveyard shift. And so one night I decided, okay, there's got to be something else for me to do because I was rather bored doing that particular job. And, you know, it was just like kind of one of those middle of the night silent prayers. I was like, God, you got to have something else other than this because this sucks. And the next day my hairdresser calls and says, hey, there's, um, there's a job working as um, a, a shop teacher at one of the local high schools. Because she's known all these years because I fixed stuff for my hairdresser. I fixed stuff, you know, for my parents. My parents have, have rental properties. I've done fix, you know, the make readies and all that stuff for the houses. And so she was like, yeah, you should apply. And I was like, mm, I know some people. She said, no, fool you. And I kind of like took a step back and I remembered the fact that I was like, you know what, God, I got to do something else. And so I went and applied um, and I landed the job. Then after I landed the job and I was like talking about it, I landed two more jobs doing the same thing. So I, I told the other people, I was like, I'm only going to do one of them and I'm going to go with the district that accepted me first. So I, I, um, I, because I had my degree in psychology and my background in education and I had all these years behind me um, working with tools, it was like a natural um, fit when I was going through the interview process because most people don't know what a shop teacher is. Like they don't understand the tools. They don't know the safeties. They don't know the regulations, you know, they just know. So you can walk in and just name the tools and they're like, wow. <laughs> like, oh, I just said radio alarm saw. It's not that deep. <laughs> so because my, my CTE um, director, she just didn't know. Mm -hmm. um, and she hired me. <laughs> and like I said, there's just not a lot of us that, that know the tools, know the safeties, um, and, and have the, the degree to back it up. So I had the degree, I had the experience working with kids. I had homeschooled my children along the way. So I had a lot of experiences that kind of dumped in and I wound up going back to school, um, to get my certification to be a nationally certified building trades instructor. So that's why I use the term master maker because, <laughs> you know, because I can train and, and have kids be certified, you know, it's kicked up the level of, you know, what I'm able to do and how I'm able to expose what I love to the next generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So building trades instructor, like what was that process like yes. to even get that, like, to go through that process? So um, there is a certification company called National Centers for Construction Education and Research. 
and there's over 700,000 people in their registry um, that are certified to do different types of jobs. So their, their catalog and their curriculum is extremely extensive. They have electrical, <laughs> <laughs> plumbing, mechanical, um, uh, acoustics, um, HVAC, you know, it's just, it's mm -hmm. just a wide catalog of information. Um, so what I did was I went, I went back to class to get my certification. Now they have, um, a process in which you can test out. Okay. You still have to, you know, pay for your tests and things like that. And so I, I said, well, let me just take a look at the information the material that you want me to test on so they gave me about books that were like this thick okay and I just went and I just started flipping through the books and I was like I know that 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 and that I know that I know that I know that and so after I flipped through the books um, I, I, I took my time I flipped through the books it took me about three months to flip through the books to, to make sure I knew what it was asking me and I went and sat for the test and I tested out of everything and <laughs> You know, I was like, uh, I didn't realize I picked up all this along the way. So it was really, it was really life learning that prepped me for the test. And, you know, having all of the experiences that my dad had provided over the years, you know, there were a few things that I had to brush up on, but I tested out and, and um, got my certification. So with that, you know, in, in conjunction with being able to certify, I speak nationally on disruptive thinking in construction education. I speak on attracting women into the workforce and also how do we attract new talent from the next generation. So mm -hmm. that's pretty fun to do. I like doing that. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, so do you, you're a high school shop teacher, junior high? I, I was a high school shop teacher for five years. Okay. And I pulled away from the school system this year because my work outside of the classroom, well, my work, my extra work was pulling me out of the classroom so much. I didn't feel like it was fair to the kids. Mm -hmm. and so I have this big major plan in my head that is coming to fruition because I've got a whole business team around me um, to basically re revolutionize the way that we're able to distribute information to kids. So, um, you know, a part of it is the online learning resource and another part is to have mobile units that are stocked with all of the equipment that'll go to docking stations um, to get the kids the hands-on information. Because what we need for, what you need to do, a roof is different than a floor, it's different than putting up a brick wall, it's different mm -hmm. than installing a window or door different from putting up sheetrock. So you have all these different materials that are needed. And most school districts don't have the space of a Home Depot because, I mean, Home Depot right. doesn't have everything. Right. I mean, they got a lot, but they don't have everything you need to just, you know, ex I mean, to, to teach all the aspects. So um, I'm working on doing a paradigm shift in how our kids are able to get information. So that's my big brain trust right now, you know, and <laughs> that's yeah that's awesome I mean because even I mean I had shop class in high school you know and and in junior high but it was not anything like construction build type related or any yeah. anything beyond that I did take 
funny story for you. I did take electronics for three years in my <laughs> high school. <laughs> um, and I actually, when I went to college, I was planning on being a shop teacher. That's what I started wow. out going to college to be. Wow. Um, but my first, my, <laughs> my first, my very first education <laughs> class, I said, Mm-mm. nope, <laughs> I'm not meant to like spend my day with high school students. It is just not in my DNA to do that. So yeah. I, I changed it to like, nope, I'll just make stuff. <laughs> wow. And, and you know what? I, the part that I miss the most right now is the interaction with the kids because they were, I mean, my kids give me life. And like, even right now, even though I'm outside of the classroom, I still do workshops with kids and put on seminars. I actually had um, a summit that I was scheduled to do Saturday. I was going to be running 2000 kids through a fast paced hands-on construction interactive. Um, but of course mm-hmm. we had a little change in history. So, yeah. you know, sometime down well, the line we'll get to put that on well i i mean that's yeah. why i applaud like you and and char i mean that you guys have that you know in you i mean now that i've become a mom i think i could handle working with kids much better than you oh, know yeah. when i was going to be late teens early 20s uh <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah <laughs> dealing with high school students like I could probably yeah. be okay now but um, yeah then it was definitely not in the cards for me but I mean it was actually my electronics teacher who talked me into to going to school to become a shop teacher because wow. he was like he's like a he's like we don't have nearly enough shop teachers in this country to like be able to work at all the schools and he mm-hmm. said b he's like we definitely don't have enough women who are shop <laughs> teachers you know so <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah. well you know like coming out of college i did and after subbing i was like i'm not getting ready to be in these classrooms mm-hmm. and they had and of all classes they put me in to teach they did a, a long-term permanent sub in chemistry <laughs> <laughs> Ye who failed chemistry, told me to teach chemistry. And yes. I was, but I actually, I actually wound up learning chemistry to do a long-term sub instead. <laughs> and I, I, I couldn't get it down in college. I just felt I flunked out of it. So that's the only way I actually passed my statistics class in college. Is <laughs> I had a, a guy who was, a, you know, a fellow student, and he was for whatever reason, he thought I knew what I was talking about, which I did not know what I was talking about. And he was flunking. He was like total F. He was like, I'm going to fail this class for like, I think it was like his third time. He's like, can you please help me get through this class? And so I learned it well enough. Like that's when I really learned like actually teaching something. I learn it better (laughs) through teaching somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's actually, my, my grandmother was a very famous educator here in the Dallas area, and there's an African proverb she used to say, um, he who teaches learns, he who learns teaches. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, I get stuff a whole lot better from, from teaching the process. Yeah. And, and then, you know, watching, watching the kids come back. So I organized my class in a fashion that I would, I would teach a small group, whatever the, you know, subject matter was, I would just teach, 
I would teach, you know, this, this realm, this group of kids, I would teach stair layout. Now they're the stair layout masters. They have to teach everybody else stair layout. Mm-hmm. While I was teaching these wall frame up, they're the wall frame up masters. They have to teach everybody else. And that's how I organized my class because I was like, it's too much work for me to teach all y'all everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I would teach like four kids, a class block, you know, mm-hmm. all the different disciplines. And then I made them the masters. And I was like, yeah, y'all go teach so-and-so. And if they, you know, had a little misunderstanding, I go clean it up. But I wasn't, I wasn't getting ready to fool around with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and really they learned it more because they were like made responsible and they could actually articulate it in a way so that they could get the that, that information over. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that, that I believe is what makes me a master maker you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is being able to take that and then shove the information out, you know, so, so now with, with the new platform, Disney, you know, I'm able to have a global footprint into, oh, she builds things, you know, Duluth gives me a global footprint into that. Mm -hmm. And, and especially with this time in our, in our world where people are isolated, you know, I'm doing um, what I call garage school daily, at 1230 Central Standard Time. <laughs> <laughs> nice plug. Love it. <laughs> uh, I'm doing it. I'm doing it daily. And, and I'm, I'm doing virtual lessons for whomever wants to tune in. And so I absolutely love being able to do that because, you know, it, it, gives, it gives a broader footprint of who you're able to touch and impact. You know, and it's been really, really neat. The people who have called, um, you know, or text or, or, you know, DM'd me saying, hey, thanks for this information. I was able to go out. I taught measurements a couple of weeks ago. Someone measured their closet, went and got all the closet system, you know, and mm-hmm. installed it. And they said, the only thing I didn't understand was how to use a drill. So I was like, oh, my next lesson will be on drilling. So there you go. <laughs> Get the week after, but it's nice having the ability to have a, a, a larger platform, a larger audience to um, expose. You know, mm-hmm. instead of instead of having, you know, just 150 kids, you know, a semester that I'm able to impact. Um, I think one of the videos I put up a few days ago has over a thousand views. So now I've had the impression on over a thousand people in a few days. Mm-hmm. So I'm really loving the fact that we're able to transform how we're able to disseminate the information. Yeah. So, okay. You've mentioned a couple of times about a team. I want to know yeah. about this team. How'd you get a team? <laughs> Do they work for free? Are they available <laughs> for others? Like these are important questions that need to be answered. So, <laughs> bartering is everything. <laughs> So, um, so my team began with my best friend. Um, you know, she is, she's like, um, a master with public relations. Um, she worked for a a national Congress well, I should say Congress woman, uh, for the United States. And she's like a master at PR. When I first started putting out, um, information about what I do, she would go back and spell check me. And eventually I turned all of that over to her. <laughs> I'm like, this is what I want to say. And she, or, or she would say, text it. And when I would text you, she's like, this is too cryptic. I'll just ask you. <laughs> okay. 
Mm-hmm. So it start it started with my best friend. Um, and she she's taken over all of the, you know, anytime there is an email or correspondence or anything, she's the one that that um takes care of it. Now I'll go in and I'll like take a look at it and glance at it, and then she comes back to me and she's like, Okay, let's do our brief. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you need to do this, this day, this, this day, this, this day, answer these questions and she'll read it off to me, and that's how we handle it. So that's where the team started. Um, then about a year later, um, there was a, um, I was, I was in the parking lot at the high school where I was teaching because my son played football and, you know, I have, I have my wacky bits of me. Like you see my fingernails are all different colors right now because mm-hmm. I decided I wanted Easter egg nails. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that particular day I had just, I had gotten back from Florida a couple of days before I had Mickey Mouse painted on my toes and on my fingers. And the lady was laughing at me as she was saying, you know, oh, that's cool. I used to, you're, oh, you're the shop teacher. I used to pour cement, but I hurt my back. And I said, well, and she was saying, you know, she couldn't work um, because she was on disability, but she was bored. I said, well, you can come into my classroom and volunteer with me. Well, that morphed into her actually becoming a substitute for the high school. And anytime I was out, she was there. So if she wasn't volunteering, she was actually getting paid to work at the school. Um, so, um, you know, she, she does, so she's continued to volunteer with girly shop teacher. Um, even since then she doubt, she doubt does some other things for, for income purposes, but she volunteers with me. Um, and then that morphed into um, my graphic designer needed some needed um, a renovation done on a school bus. Um, there's actually a long school bus sitting out back right now <laughs> that I have renovated and turned into a retail store. So I just go out and work on it, you know, um, at my leisure. And and he does all of my graphic arts and graphic designs. Um, so. I, I started bartering with people, you know, I'll do this service for you if you'll do that service for me. Um, you know, I have um, another gentleman that does my creative, my creative and makes my music. And so I've got a theme song coming out, which is super <laughs> cute. I can't wait. He, ha- he won't let me release it yet. But, um, <laughs> but I bartered with him and I fixed a couple guitars. So you know, it's, it's been a, a, a serious barter system for developing this team. And we've been able to grow our company through barter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I will, so, I will attest to the barter system is very much like alive and well. Like mm-hmm. I have found, you know, I've done that for things as well in the past. Like, yeah. Oh, you need a new coffee table? Sure. I'll make you sure. a coffee table. <laughs> you know, yeah. That yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've bartered with my, with my photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually I have two, two graphic designers. The one that came up with my iconic G logo. Um, you know, I bartered with, I bartered with him to make the G logo and I made end tables and coffee tables for him and his family. Um, when I did, at my 501c3, um, I bartered with uh, a young lady that has a theater company, and I built the sets for her theater. So barter has been very, very strong 
mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a great way to go. Um, if you're, if you're just trying to get started, you know, uh, getting your basic things taken care of because people are very, very willing to say, Oh, I want this. And you're like, I got you on that. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, that's how my team started. And, and so now when I, when I go out and I do, you know, things like for Disney or, um, Duluth or, or other things like that, speak at, do a speaking engagement, the ones that are very close to me, you know, like my, like my, um, my best friend, who's the, the VP of our company and, and my former volunteer, now my assistant, um, I just make sure that, you know, I take a cut of whatever I make and mm-hmm. give them some of the, some of the pie. Yep. So mm-hmm. that's, that's how we handle it. But, you know, girlish have teachers making, you know, more and more because we keep on pushing and plugging at it. Mm-hmm. So um, I won't say that we're a million dollar company or anything like that. <laughs> We got million dollar minds. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So I, I am going to ask a few more questions about that, but I do want to make sure to touch on too. So you kind of briefly glossed over, you said you homeschooled your kids yeah. a bit. So like, what was, I mean, now two are in college, one still at home, but what was, what was life like when they were little and you were kind of doing the hustle and doing <laughs> doing the work versus like now I mean a 15 year old at home usually you know they're self-sufficient for the most part right <laughs> yeah that's right thank god um so um when I was, when I first had my children, I knew that I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and it was not what my husband wanted. He wanted, you know, me to go out and have a job and send them to daycare and all these things and, you know, contribute to the, the, the family monetarily. And I was just like, I ain't going to clock in nowhere. It's just not in my DNA. I'm not cut out for that. So, um, I actually, while I was, while I was pregnant with, with my first son, um, one of my really, really dear friends was, was, had just delivered her baby and she was getting ready to go on an award show and she needed a gown to wear on this award show. And so she called me up because, you know, as, a, as, you know, what was it? I guess we were in our early twenties. Whenever we needed to go somewhere and be cute, we would whip up something on a sewing machine and be cute to go somewhere night somewhere and just like have a new little outfit. And so she called me and she was like, Hey, I'm getting ready to be on this award show and I need a dress. So I bounced over to her house with all my sewing machine and stuff and I made her a dress. Well, she was nursing. So what we didn't realize was her boobs were bouncing. (laughs) (laughs) I cut this and it would fit and then I go sew it and then she would nurse and then we didn't realize it and it would deflate. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, (laughs) Yeah, right. We actually that's, that's real mom life right there. Real mom life. Real mom life. <laughs> so we we wound up we wound up making this this dress for her and we figured out okay if I if we make these certain inserts so depending on which one was bouncing she would look balanced on the show. So she wound up winning a Grammy that night. <laughs> 
and she had on my dress. Okay. So that's Erica Badu, the singer. Um, and so I was like, oh, wow. And so she says, well, you know, how much do I owe you for the dresses? And I'm thinking, girl, I, you don't owe me nothing. How? And so she says, no, I've got to pay you. And I, she says, give me a number. And I said, mm, 1500 I was thinking 1500 for a single dress because I was like, when I looked up, you know, what, what kind yeah, of gowns yeah. cost, she sent me, because I made her two dresses, she sent me $3,000. I said, <laughs> there's something to this. <laughs> so I decided I don't have to work. I can actually use my skills as a seamstress in order to earn money. Um, and I shifted from making clothing to making home interior decor things like draperies, pillows, minor reupholstery stuff. And I would tie my babies to my back and you know, do my cuts at a certain time of day when the kids were tied to me. And when it was time for me to do like the fine stitching, I would make sure that they were down or do it in the middle of the night. And I would work around their schedules, you know, um, I would take them with me to go to the fabric stores, take them with me to client appointments because they were like always with me. And I didn't want to send them the schools in our immediate area. Um, the population of the students and the behaviors that came with the populations, I didn't want my kids around. So I said, I, so I decided to homeschool. Um, I wound up homeschooling for 10 years and my kids never, I mean, they like, so like homeschooling now is like super easy cause we've done it before. Um, but they never like said, I want to go to school. I want to go to school. Um, it was going through a divorce process that their dad actually put them in school. He was so nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, their dad, their dad put them in school to my chagrin. Um, but we had a ball, you know, and I taught them with everything that I did. So they learned how to measure. They learned how to, you know, do budget. They learned how to estimate. They learned how to you know, do all of these other things kind of in an ancillary way because of my profession. Um, you know, they learned how to run businesses, um, you know, how to balance the checkbook, how to pay the taxes. They learned that in the midst of homeschooling. And I wouldn't trade it for the world, not anything. Um, you know, so I think the oldest was fifth grade when he went to school. Um, and he was so bored. He just was like, mama, I can't just do this. And you know, I do it and go on to the next thing. I said, can't wait for all the rest of the kids. He was like, this is, this, he said, this is for trash. I was like, mm -hmm. but <laughs> they had very different ideas of what it was like. Um, but I loved, I loved homeschooling. Um, you know, I thought the world needed to be their classroom. And so at that time, um, I took a job working for American Airlines and we would just jump on a plane and go to a museum for the day and come back. Or if we were studying, if we were studying the Great Lakes, I would fly to Detroit and have one of my cousins pick me up and take them to see a couple lakes and jump back on the plane and come home. Um, if we were studying, you know, aquatic life um, 
in, in uh, the Atlantic Ocean. I would jump on a plane and go to Florida. And they got to see these things because I wanted them to know you're not limited to just our home for learning that everything in the world is for your op- is, is an opportunity for you to learn. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of like my homeschool journey. <laughs> <laughs> I continued to make things and do things. And I did a lot of home interiors during that time. Um, I, w- I was sewing drapes for a million dollar home that were, you know, as I think the tallest set of drapes that I did were 22 feet long. Um, and I think they were, well, a width of fabric is 54 inches. And I think there were four widths of fabric wide. So over 200 inches wide and 22 feet long. Um, and then it was like, it was like three layers of fabric because it was the outer fabric layer, the inner lining layer, and then the face of the fabric, plus all this trim and other beautiful stuff. Yeah. Those were the biggest ones I made. And it was like, I would have to erect scaffolding. I, I put, decided to erect scaffolding while six months pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? Like, That's right. They're like, you're pregnant. I was like, it's a baby. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It was time to come out. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So All right. I don't sit still. <laughs> are your are your kids uh do, are you we, we talked beforehand, so they're not, they're just like, oh, well, you know, that's what mom does yeah. now. But I mean, are they as like, can't sit still as you are? Like, are they always on the go? Um, my, my oldest one is a go-getter and my youngest one, um, my middle son is, is very much a solitude type of person. So my oldest one is actually studying human growth and development at Howard University, which is my alma mater. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my middle son is studying computer science at Texas Wesleyan University. He's on a full ride. And my youngest doesn't know what he wants to do, but he, he I don't know, he figured out how to do school well enough that he's in the top high school in the nation. <laughs> and I don't check grades. <laughs> I told my kids, uh, your schooling is not my job anymore. Go figure right. it out. Go figure it out. That's right. Yeah. And even with this homeschool stuff now, I think we jumped on our call at about what nine o'clock this morning or yeah. so. So um, with this whole thing, he comes in, he comes in my room, maybe about eight 30. And I was like, Hey, have you logged on to school? He was like, yeah, I was up at four. I took care of it already. I'm done for the day. I'm going to bed. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> That works. <laughs> I mean, I don't really care when you do it. Right. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and the thing is, even as a school teacher, I didn't care about grades. I wanted to know, do you comprehend the information? Right. So right. Um, I, never, I never worried or stressed my kids about a single grade. Um, when my oldest one wound up graduating from high school, uh, a couple days after, after the, afterwards, we were sitting in in the car and he was flipping through the, the brochure and he was like what are these stars by my name I was like I don't know he was like oh mom I graduated with honors <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it was never important grades were never important to us do mm-hmm. you know the information and even as a, a school teacher um 
I had a rule that the, the lowest grade in my class was 100. Mm-hmm. And so I had systems in place um, that once we went through the material, once we went over the notes and it was time for the assessment, the first time you took an assessment, it was with whatever came out of your brain. The next time you use your notes, the time after that, you, you check out the book. If you don't have a hundred, that's cool. Go ask your friend. The last time come see me because I was, I, as an, as, um, as an educator was, was more concerned with, do you know it than what percentage did you get right? I didn't care if you got 50% right the first time. Doesn't make any difference. Let me make sure you get that other 50% because if you don't catch that extra 50% in my mind, then when we go to the next subject, because we're building on things, you know, it's like saying, oh, we're going to build a 15 story building. And on the third floor, you only put like half the structure in. Right. right. Just doesn't make sense to me. I couldn't find the logic in a kid making a 50. So um, when um, admin, when I turned in my grades and admin saw my kids had a hundred, they questioned me and I just, I, and, and I can be kind of flippant sometimes. Um, but they said, well, everybody can't have a hundred. And I just cut my eyes. I said, when it's 98% humidity and it's 102 degrees outside, tell me how much of your roof do you want? And I walked away. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, we want our whole roof. I said, well, I got all the grades. I said, then I got a hundred percent out of my kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you cannot, you're not going to convince me how should not know a hundred percent of the information. So that's what I strived for. And my kids um, that I taught are now, some of them are graduating high, uh, graduating college in three years with construction management degrees. Um, you know, I have kids that are, that are um, on job sites now that are building hospitals and, and other healthcare systems, um, building libraries, building commercial buildings, um, uh, 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 commercial renovations for like airports and stuff. And these are kids that were in my class. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, Nope, we got to do a hundred percent. We got to do a hundred percent. So mm-hmm. to have that impact and that push, it's just like really heartwarming and humbling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Totally. Um, all right. So our time has like flown. Oh man. Okay. I'm just looking at the, the clock. No, that's good. That's good. Um, if you prob- want to chop it and make it too hard, it's okay with me. No, no, no. Uh, absolutely not. I do want to make sure though, that we have a chance to touch on quick. Um, Cause you've mentioned it a couple of times and I'll of course include it in your intro, but um, working with Disney, what, what do you want to share about that? Um, and, and, you know, tell, tell the people what show you've been, you're on and all that stuff. <laughs> okay. So the new platform Disney plus has a show called shop class that airs every Friday on their streaming network. Um, you can find me on episode three of shop class. Nice. It's, um, it's a, a show that, um, you know, there's a, a team of uh, two children and an instructor um, they're competing. Um, it's three total teams that compete every week for prizes and, you know, the opportunity to be the shop class grand champion. So um, I filmed episode three. You can see what happens on the show when you watch the show. <laughs> That's right. 
yeah, but, I've tried um, to was, I've tried to get my the kids into the show. I've tried to get my uh -huh. two, you know, my almost seven and four year old, and they just look at me and go, "Mom, this is a grown up show." And I'm like, oh. "It is not a grown up show. Those are kids." Those are kids. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. In other words, yeah. they're trying to tell me it's too boring for them to watch. You know? uh, uh huh. Okay. Uh -huh. But yeah. it's not really boring. I enjoyed it. Well, I, I had a ball working on it, and every week I watch the show, so <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay, what's happening next? What's happening next? I think they did they did picnic tables on the last on the last episode that I saw. Um, let's see, I think they've done picnic tables, golf courses, uh, little free libraries. We did skateboard ramps on the show that I filmed. So, did you get to see my show? I I haven't seen your episode yet. Okay, I got, okay. I. I if you don't remember what watching television is like when you have young children, like mm -hmm. an hour long episode can take you about five days to complete. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I've made it through the little free library, which is the first okay. episode. But okay. I mean, I, I enjoyed watching it, you know, and watching um, the kids make. So I think it's a really, I mean, I think it's fantastic that Disney is doing this show. Yeah, so the uh, one of the executive producers on the show is John Stevens, who was the a creator of Who's Smarter Than a Fifth Grader. Okay, okay. And so um, um, he and another executive producer by the name of Ruth um, uh, found me on the internet because they were Googling shop teachers. And they invited me to be a part of the project. I got an instant message on Facebook. <laughs> and I thought it was a farce. And I was like, I'm laying a floor today. I don't have time for that mess. Yeah. <laughs> and when I, when I went and actually looked at the information, it was so funny because everything said Disney Plus, Disney Plus. And I said, oh, somebody's trying to, to swindle me with this plus behind the Disney. They don't even have enough sense not to put a plus. <laughs> Well, in July, who knew mm -hmm. what Disney Plus was? Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So to be on the on the first season of a brand new show, a brand new content, um, on um, a brand new network, you know, that was one of the, you know the high point honors of doing what I do because you know when you do what you love and you do it to the best of your ability sometimes you don't realize what a high level of resolution that you're providing to other people mm -hmm. and it just it just really made me kind of turn around and look at you know the course of my life and everything that I've done to build up to this point so it's so just being on the show has challenged me in other ways and and really opened up a whole new frame of thought on how we can educate the next generation on using their hands and being tactile with you know how they express themselves and mm -hmm. contribute into society so yeah I, I absolutely love it it was you know the kids on the show were amazing to work with they were all like the smartest of the smart um you know they were they their ingenuity was there their creativity was there their enthusiasm was there um we had a lot of fun uh behind the scenes because you know i'm kind of a big kid so <laughs> <laughs> so we were playing like you know the string games yeah yeah, yeah. i taught them the string games we we're playing patty cake uh, <laughs> we were playing like um like the little sing song songy things, you know, like like the bean songs. Do you know the bean song? Uh, I don't know if I do or not. Oh, it says, um, I have a, I have a dog I haven't seen. 
His name is Jelly. Where has he been? Jelly bean, Jelly bean. Where, oh, no, oh, where has Jelly been? <laughs> <laughs> and so the next person has to come up with a bean name, like red or something like gotcha. that. And, gotcha. You know, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you just sing the song over and over, and there's just a, everybody has to name like a different bean. And but we were doing fun, silly stuff like that behind the scenes, and. Um, you know, just getting to work with the Disney Imagineers, getting to work with Justin Long, um, you know, and the other designers that were on the show. It was, oh, it was just one of those experiences that, you know, I'm looking back at it. We, I, I, we, I filmed back in July and August. And to me, it's like surreal that I was actually in that environment. So, yeah, you know, I'm I'm really hoping I get to do some more things with Disney because it's such an incredible family to be a part of. Yeah. Um, That, I mean, that is awesome. And I totally understand what you mean when you say, when you get reached out to on some of those things and you're like, this totally is not real. (laughs) This is totally not real, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're sitting there, you're like, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who? yeah. <laughs> I'm just a little kid. I'm just I'm just a kid in Dallas, you know, That's teaching right. shop class. That's right. <laughs> so I did wanna ask also one other question. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not gonna lie, I'm probably gonna ask a couple more. But um when you especially when you went and like interviewed for that, you know, first shop teacher job, um mm-hmm. have you I mean, did you ever get that like but you're a woman. Like, did you ever get that? (laughs) I get it. That's like the most beautiful question. I love the fact that people question the fact that I have these abilities. Um, And so, yes, um, actually the cosmetology teacher referred me to the job and there was a female uh, CTE director. So she was, she already had a female engineering teacher. So she was kind of gung ho about, you know, seeing what a woman could do. Um, so she really wasn't the person that questioned it. It was later on that other people within the school district started questioning things. And, you know, people from different departments would come to me with this skepticism in their eyes. And I just kept a cool head about myself. And I was like, they simply don't know. They just haven't been educated. You know, Mm um, when I'm speaking in front of, you know, 10,000 people, I always say the shell doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. the brain that does, you know, I, um, I've been blessed with a wonderful shell. I'm loving the shell that I'm living in, in this, you know, phase of my life. And it's, if it, the shell doesn't matter, you know, my hands work, my brain works, you know, my eyes work and you're able to put all those things in and morph them is, it just makes for a great experience. So when you're, when you're talking in front of the 10,000 people, Mm-hmm. Is the the eyes that are looking back at you, are they majority male, majority female? I mean, like, what kind of speaking engagements are you at? <laughs> yeah, so I, I always say I'm the antithesis of what people think of when they think of shop teacher. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so if you can think of the exact opposite of what you would see in me, <laughs> that's my audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I am, I am the complete flip flop. Um, so, so basically, you're telling me it's a bunch of old white dudes is who you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. 
<laughs> See that college education and those SAT prep words, people understand they're like antithesis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about when, I mean, your makeup of your students? Did oh, you, mostly boys. Mostly boys. Did you, do you think any girls even thought about it more with seeing yes. a female shop teacher? Yes, absolutely. Um, I actually um, was approached by the Dallas Zoo to perform a project for the, to, to build awnings behind the scenes at the bird sanctuary. And because the zookeepers are primarily females that work in that section, they wanted an all-girl team. So I had to go and reach into the agriculture class and the um, architecture class to pull girls to be able to work on this all-girls team. So I assembled nine girls, and we did an all-girls team um, to be able to pull together these bird sanctuary awnings. And we pulled together the first set as all female group crew. And then my boys were like, we want to do it. And I was like, <laughs> it'll get done faster if y'all help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the girls, the girls got all the exposure in the media for doing it. And it was, it was really empowering for them because it's led to scholarship opportunities and a lot more opportunities for, um, for college acceptance mm -hmm. for them. Um, and then it also breaks the mold. Um, one of the things I love the best is the young men that I've worked with, they don't have another heuristic of what a shop teacher is other than mm -hmm. me. So I'm their normal. And right. I think it's really cool that the new normal has a different set of, you know, outer exterior. So they, they, go, to, they go to competitions and they win awards and things. And they see all the other teachers. And so they're just like, oh, it's just another teacher. They're not seeing she's the different one. So right. um, I think it's beautiful that um, I provide a face of diversity. Um, I provide, you know, an, an attitude of inclusion. And I'm able to show my, because of the level at which I perform, this starts to disappear. Mm -hmm. And what's really important is what this is and this is. And I think that once we do that in our world and we're, we, we, we start to lose these, these preconceived notions that a particular gender or a particular ethnicity or a particular height or a particular weight <laughs> or, you know, anything, when all of that stuff starts to fade away and we see people um, for their abilities, you know, that's when we can really appreciate one another as a race. As I think a human race. <laughs> yes, as the human race. I think yeah. I think it's more though I've been struggling with this idea as I've been talking with all of you maker moms, you know, I've been doing this for a year and a half now. And <laughs> thank you. Um and 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 I get different responses to the question okay. about being a female in a more, you know, traditionally male dominated field. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I get from the response of like people who will share stories of, you know, flat out discrimination uh, being seen to like, well, I don't think it should matter. I just want my work to matter. And, and so I get the gamut and I want it to become a point of you're not a great maker in spite of being female yeah 
and you know african american you are a great maker because you are female and african american like you know, i'm I a think, great maker because i'm freaking tammy i mean well I that's but yeah exactly <laughs> but i'm saying yeah. each person has their own stuff and i don't want to i want to try to tell all of these women stop stripping away what mm-hmm. gets seen as different when you enter a room full of a bunch of old white men stop yeah. stripping away what is seen as different and embrace it because because of who you are is what makes you phenomenal right it's what makes right. you do something completely different than what i could do because our experiences right. are different right. and we're different yeah, people and, <laughs> right and you know i mean by by no means do i know everything that everybody knows and i don't want that to be um something that's misconstrued right but because of this particular shell and because of the education that I've received, I'm invited into certain spaces. So it's like, okay, you know, I, I, don't, I don't take lightly the fact that I'm the one that's being asked to address 10,000 men mm-hmm. um, that are typically 20 years older than me. Mm-hmm. I don't take that lightly, um, but I take that with honor. And, you know, and, and there have been times when I've been on stage and, you know, the question has been posed, well, why, why should we make, why should we think that women are just as capable? And I'm, and I say, well, can any of you tell me who, is there anyone in this room that didn't come out of a woman? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's fantastic. Thank you for that. Sideline discussion because <laughs> I want to know how that happens. You've got to have some more children, uh-huh. <laughs> but but you know when you we like I said I can I can throw some jabs. Uh, right. <laughs> you know we grew up we grew up in a world where we used to play the dozens. We used to act you know real simple with telling people off. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but when when you ask, well, is there anyone in here that did not come from a woman that? you know, you did not come out of a woman. So if you can honor your mother in all that she is and all that she's meant to you, can you please honor the fact that she was able to do the things that she did to enable you to do the things that you do? Can you enable maybe your daughters or a niece or a neighbor's young, young, um, you know, young lady to be able to be empowered to do the things that you do? And it really shifts the conversation because, you know, most of them are like, oh, well, well, yeah, my mom worked this many jobs and she did this and she did that. Well, she had great abilities because she mm-hmm. could not have created such a beautiful person unless she was beautiful herself. Right. And even if you come from an environment where your mom was not the one that did that for you, maybe she passed away, maybe she had an illness, maybe something else was going on with her and she wasn't available, some woman somewhere made sure that you got the things that you needed to get. Mm-hmm. And so let's honor those pieces. And, and by no means do I want to um, dismiss, you know, the males in the room because I like it <laughs> when someone who has bigger muscles than me and I got pretty big muscles, I like it when they say, hey, can I help you pull this particular 
you know, yeah. pieces of plywood or sheetrock or whatever it is. And I'm like, yes, you can do it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the other, that's the other side of it, right? It's not about us asking to be acknowledged is not about taking away something from somebody else. Yeah. It's just saying, yeah. let us play too. That's all it's right. saying. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, you know, my moniker is the girly shop teacher because, you know, it's, it's, it's really a dichotomy in what people think of when they think of shop teacher. They're not thinking bangles and funny mm-hmm. fingernail polish and curly hair and all this other stuff. They're not thinking that they're, they're thinking, you know, a guy with some dickies on or mm-hmm. whatever and paint all over his pants. They're not thinking. And, and probably missing a couple fingers. Just, just saying. <laughs> I see all your fingers. <laughs> keep it all of mine. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, what they, what they think of is not this shell. Mm-hmm. And so once they get past the shell and they start to see the work, then, then the, the shift changes. And so, you know, I, um, I kind of see myself as, as an ambassador to help, help minimize and quell discrimination of all facets. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I'm like, you know, everyone is valid for who and whom they are. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, and um, so, you know, I think that um, I think that I've been very blessed to be able to have had the experiences that I've had to be able to be given platforms in which my voice is being listened to um, and to help equalize, you know, mm-hmm. some of these things that were kind of unbalanced before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Tammy, I'm going to give you a chance now to tell okay. everybody where on all the interwebs they can find you. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> on social media, which is where you'll find me most of the time. Uh, Instagram is girly shop teacher. Um, girly spelled G-I-R-L-Y-S-H-O-P teacher, T-E-A-C-H-E-R under girly shop teacher i think it's i think it's tammy gam t-a-m-i-g-a-m in the parentheses girly shop teacher i've got two facebook accounts but i primarily work off of the tammy gam account with the parentheses girly shop teacher um let's see we've got tiktok which i love Mm -hmm. because we play on tiktok girly shop teacher on tiktok because i do silly dances and things like that on tiktok on on uh what is it? Twitter. It's girly shop teacher without the vowels in the word teacher. So girly shop T C H R. And then my website, girly shop teacher. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So you're able to see different facets of me depending on which um, social media you're on. Even on LinkedIn, I think I'm Tammy Gamble Gurnell on my uh, LinkedIn page. Um, you know, you're able to see different facets of who I am. You know, you get to see the fun TikToky, you know, dancey chick. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you get to see, you know, the the um, the more intellectual piece of me um, on my website where I do blogs about, you know, experiences. Um, that's also some where I post, you know, many of my events is on my website. Okay. Um, and then. Uh, Facebook is where I, Facebook Live under Tammy Gam is where I'm able to do my um, online lessons. So yeah, those are a couple places you can find me. And on Duluth <laughs> Training Company, 
<laughs> their catalog as a Duluth woman representing real women to do real work. And then on Disney Plus, on Shop Class. There you so go. That's a lot of the places you can find it. <laughs> or just Google Girly Shop Teacher. There's like pages and pages that pop up. There you go. Well, I'll include links to all of that uh, okay. in the shop or in shop notes. See, now you have shop in my head in the show notes um, for okay. your episode. Uh, so everyone can follow along with you. And thanks so much for taking time to chat with me. Oh, you're welcome. And, and hey, by all means, you know, if you want to reach out, please reach out, you know, send me an email. You can email me straight through the website or at girlyshopteacher.com at gmail.com that's probably the easiest way to get to me um you know because I, I love answering questions if there's if there's a group or something that you'd like for me to come speak to you know let's make arrangements let's make it happen you All know right. anything i can do to help promote uh you know just working with your hands and being a crafter i didn't even know what a maker was like i said until a year ago and then i found out that oh i've been a maker all my life <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, again, that was Tammy with Girly Shop Teacher. I'll include all of the many links that she gave us at the end of the episode in the show notes uh, for this week's episode. The best way you can find those is following along with Maker Mom Podcast on Instagram. That's just at Maker Mom Podcast. Hint the link in the bio, and there you can find show notes. You can also get a shortcut over to Patreon to find out how to become a patron of the podcast. And don't forget, too, this week, this Friday, the 17th, I changed the time a little bit, so hopefully more of you can join in. We'll be doing a Zoom meeting online maker meetup at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Hope to see all of you there. And as always, during this time of COVID-19 especially, please stay safe, stay healthy, and if you can, stay home. All right, until next week, I will see you later. Thank you for listening to the Maker Mom podcast. You can connect with the Maker Mom community in the Facebook group page, Maker Moms. And remember, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, leave an awesome review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know.